Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week we have a very special guest. We have Jim Miller. Jim, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Awesome. Uh, I will apologize for both Jim and myself. We both are have some cough, throat situation going on today, so it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit. Uh, we're we're uh, going late late night jams here. We are with, and uh, with a nice and, and sultry voices. On the plus side, we sound sexy as fuck. Like that's really exactly. Like, I'm kind of really <laughs> digging this. Like I might I might listen to this later and just be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play Jim, this for my fiance later and be like, look at this baby. Like listen, that, that turn you on. Look at that. And she'll be like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> who's that other guy? Who's yeah? Who's, the, <laughs> yeah, who's that sexy guy talking? All right. Well, um, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, my name's Jim. Uh, Jim Miller. I run a tabletop gaming event called Crit Hit in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we are a crowdfunded event, um, meaning that uh, we do everything on Kickstarter, and that's how people pledge to make the event happen. And we're going into our third year, and, um, and we're right in the middle of the Kickstarter as we speak. Yeah, awesome. So you said you've been doing Crit Hit. This is the third year of Crit Hit? Yeah, this is the third year. So um, the first year I started Crit Hit because I wanted to do something where um, uh, I'm, I'm big into role-playing games. A lot of the conventions around here, role-playing games are kind of treated as, um, you know, uh, as a redheaded stepchild. And it's basically if I didn't play uh, Pathfinder or D&D, then there really wasn't much of a voice <laughs> for me here. And um, on top of having this deep, sultry, sexy voice that I have right now, I'm actually naturally kind of soft-spoken, so it's um, it's kind of hard to hear me. And I li- and I, li- I love indie games and horror games. So I love building mood and tension and, and doing things with my voice, and that sometimes gets lost in the big shuffle of like Pathfinder and D and D. So I always felt that I was kind of not um, uh, not not welcome, but just not. You know, I wasn't being catered to in any way. It was just kind of like we're going to throw a bunch of the RPG nerds in the room. So I wanted to do something on my own. And, and something built centered around um, having a space for RPGs to, to be run. And, and so that became Crit Hit. And uh, since then, we've grown um, from doing uh, just RPGs. The first year was RPGs only. Um, after some feedback, it was like, hey, you got to have some board games because if you miss a game or your game's full, you have nothing to do for like four hours. So I was like, all right, fine, we'll do some board games. So that was our second year. And then this year, we're going full bore. There's like a whole plan for board games, and we can talk about that stuff a little bit later. But like there's there's like definitely a critic flavor to the board game component, and then we're trying to make the RPG component even better and just the whole experience um, uh, be different and bigger and better and, and, and hopefully um, something that people enjoy and, and feel is worth backing. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen Crit Hit on Kickstarter you know, since it started, definitely. Um, just going through the whole tabletop games thing and then 
been seeing what Brendan's been posting and everything. So, um, but yeah, I, I met Jim through a friend of the podcast. Brendan Carrion uh, has his own podcast, Full Metal RPG. And how do you know Brendan? Uh, same way. Um, I don't, I don't even remember how I came across Full Metal RPG. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody does. No, because I don't. I don't remember. And it's some weird fucking satanic thing that they've done where it's like this, like we get like, I don't know, like mesmerized and hypnotized by a uh, good old fashioned uh, devil back masking or something. I don't know. I have no idea how I got a hold of it, but all I know is I started listening to it and I had actually met Brendan um, before and it might've been maybe because of his Facebook. He might've posted something on Facebook, but he rarely posts stuff about the podcast, especially back then. But I met him at a, um, at a, at an iron GM contest um, so, they okay. had, so they had this little contest at a, at a local gaming shop that, that we go to. And um, it was this cool thing where, you know, you get uh, a list of three things that have to be in an adventure. And yeah. then, uh, then you just uh, run an adventure and then you have a bunch of strangers basically grade you. And um, funny story about that is, is uh, I'm a story gamer. Like I love story games. I love all the hippie, dirty, you know, weird esoteric games. And so um uh, so I showed up and I was like, oh, pff, story games are made for this kind of stuff. Like, I'm going to go ahead and just own this thing. And um, so I showed up and with um, Cosmic Patrol, uh, which is a really cool pulp sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. I literally bought the game on Wednesday. I read it Thursday. And I sat down to play for my first time at this event on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And um, so never played it. Uh, barely had read, you know, maybe three quarters of the book, and here I am running it against um, people that have been gaming for, you know, 20, 30 years with their particular systems. Right. So I go to this table and I pitch it, right? I'm like, all right, I got this game, it's pulp sci-fi, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no. So the table can reject your game system. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, shit. And so if if they reject your, your game system, the game then falls back on Pathfinder or D&D. Oh, no. And so I already had a plan for this. I was going to run DCC, basically, because it's kind of the same thing, and I was just going to basically run them all zero levels anyway, so I didn't have to worry about any of the particulars of either system. So I said, okay, cool, we're going to do Pathfinder, because Pathfinder is really closer to DCC, to Dungeon Crawl Classics, than than 5th edition is. Exactly. The the whole table started blinking. And they're like, "Uh, I've never played. There's a father and a son. They're like, yeah, we've never... We've never played that game because we heard it's really complicated. The other one's like, are we going to have to make characters for it? I was like, no, 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 we can do characters. And so basically they all kind of hemmed and hawed at the whole Pathfinder thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And one of the guys is like, well, what's your game again? Because that character sheet looked really simple. (laughs) (laughs) And so I told him, I was like, well, it's pulp sci-fi. It's really, really simple. And I explained the mechanics. I was like, that's all there is to mechanics. It takes, you know, a minute to explain. And they're like, well, let's let's try that, yeah, because I don't want to I don't want to try and figure out Pathfinder for the next four hours. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So that worked for my favor and my favor, and I competed in this thing, right? And um, little did I know, uh, I thought I was going to be slick and go in there, you know, with my little story game and just own this thing. <laughs> and you know, and I heard you know, this guy next to me, and he's like, I'm going to be running Vampire. I'm like, oh, they're fucked. And, you know, we're running D&D and we're running Pathfinder. And I'm like, I got this in the bag. Well, there was another guy who I actually ended up becoming friends with who's also a podcaster here in town, um, uh, Daryl. And, and, uh, and he was running Tremulous. 
and power. Oh man! And powered by the apocalypse is my jam. Like that's my shit. That's what I know. Yep. And so I was like, oh, I'm so fucked. I was like, all right, well, whatever. I'm gonna do my best. And so uh, I competed, and I came in second to Brendan. Oh man! Because Brendan, what did what is, did he run? He ran vampire. He just ran straight vampire. Oh, he just ran straight vampire. Yeah, and uh, Brendan is just an amazing fucking GM. Like he. You know, I sat in. As a matter of fact, last night I sent in, and he's running a he's running a, a dungeon crawl classes module with uh, limitations of the flame princess. Limitations, yeah. yeah. He he goes on and on about that that damn fucking module. It's, the <laughs> module's good because it's DCC. DC has has amazing modules. Oh, of course. But uh, but yeah, I was listening to him mm-hmm. run, and 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 I've played with him in a couple games before. And Brendan's just master craftsman when it comes to to running GMs. He's just one of those GMs that really. Um, almost, you know, I, I learned a lot just just by watching him because he takes his time, mm-hmm. he paces things, and and he has a great command of language. Um, if you meet the guy, you know, he just looks like this goth kid, right? Like, you know, he's, he's kind of rough looking. He looks like, you know, he looks like he's just as liable to punch you in the fucking face as anything else, right? He's kind of he's kind of tough looking, and uh, but like just one of the most eloquent guys that you'll ever meet. And um, oh, he's like a fucking teddy bear. Yeah. He's like a teddy bear, and and his 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 command of the language is brilliant. And when he describes things, he's really. I mean, there was I had no yeah. chance of winning this this Iron Jam contest. Is what I'm saying. I had, there was no <laughs> chance I was ever going to win it. But I came in second to the man, and uh, and then I think that's kind of where our, our friendship started blossoming. Absolutely, but yeah, uh, Brendan's played a couple games with us. Uh, he played Satanic Panic when we did Satanic Panic. Yes, that was good. I love. Um, oh, I I love Satanic. He did. He did. We we did a one shot. Um, of the terrible RPG, right? Um, uh, Mike, one of my co-hosts, Steve, was out for the week, and we were planning on playing that that day. It was a Sunday, and uh, and literally the day before, th- this was Saturday, maybe like four thirty, five o'clock, like pretty late in the day. Oh wow! We, uh, I, I sent a message out to Mark, my co-host, and then I send a, a text message to Brendan. I go do you want to play a game tomorrow? And they both go, yes. And so less than 24 hours, we plan and get a game together and run it. Oh, that's great. And that's, that's the actual play you see of, um, I think we called it crime squad, crime patrol, something like that. And yeah, uh, it's just, you know, the amount of detail he goes into. um, Oh yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's Brendan. I was really Absolutely. digging. I was really digging the, the Satanic Panic one. That's oh, that one. I'm kicking myself in the ass for not. Uh, I had to pull. I had to pull out of that one because I just didn't have the funds at the time. And yeah, I'm really regretting it because I want that. That's so my jam. Absolutely, but yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a very it's it's a really unique game. Satanic Panic is yeah. Uh, just because they're they're bringing all these old kind of nostalgic nostalgic feelings from you know, that time period in the eighties that was actually going on, you know? Right. No, I remember. And putting it into a game and putting it into, into all of this and all the, all the backstory and all the planning behind it is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's like, I know if I, if I, I'm going to pick that game up and and I'm going to run the shit out of it. Um, when you pick the game up, you will notice one of the character classes. I don't know which one, one of the character classes is going to be me. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. I dumped I dumped money into it. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. 
but yeah, I'm going to be one of the one of the character classes, which is really exciting. Is it like like you're going to be like, well, it's the '80s, right? So, are you like a pirate radio guy or something like that? Because there's no podcasts in the '80s, so you're like pirate radio or. Um. Yeah. Probably. He'll, he'll probably throw something in there. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, like kind of like a what was that? That Christian Slater movie. Um, uh, Wasn't it called Pirate Radio? No, it? it was something. It was something like that. Where he was a pirate radio guy. And mm-hmm. I think that was a '90s though. Like, yeah, definitely. But um, going going back to you a little bit. Um. So we start off this podcast with a segment and that segment is called wish of the week and in wish of the week we talk about anything we're excited for from movies to board games to rpgs video games whatever um and i will hand this off to you do you have anything you're excited for jim oh my god yes um so um there's a couple things like uh, one of them is is I'm playing um, uh, I'm trying to get back into into Savage World. Savage Worlds was for the longest time sort of my default oh, yeah. thing, and so um, I last year for Crit Hit I had Sean Patrick Fannin, who's a big developer for um, Savage World mm-hmm. stuff. He's he's deep into Savage Worlds. He's the guy who's responsible for Savage Rifts happening, right? He's the guy who yeah. made Hell Freeze Over and Palladium finally <laughs> let go of their fucking IP to uh, what, in my opinion, is probably the best system for something like riffs, and so, um, so I became friends with him, and, and we chat on Facebook and, and all the stuff, and uh, and he brought to Crit Hit. I didn't get to play it because I, I run around like a like a maniac, but he brought to Crit Hit something called Freedom Squadron, Ooh. and Freedom Squadron is, and I'll tell you what it is. I'll, I'll describe it, and then you tell me what it is, basically. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's an elite force of military operatives from different branches of service fighting, and they're called the Freedom Squadron, and they're fighting a terrorist organization named Venom. It's GI. Oh, man. It's GI Joe. It's definitely GI Joe. Oh, it's yeah. so fucking GI Joe. And that just oh, when I, when he told me that, and I saw the art because the art just totally feels like an '80s cartoon, like it's so evocative. And I'm reading through, and I and and, and I kind of give him some tips for like some marketing stuff that he's going to try, and yeah. so he let me into like the secret group that he has. Like I'm part of the secret cabal, though I get to see shit Ooh. behind the scenes, and so I'm reading through the documents for Freedom Squadron, and it's just blowing my fucking mind. I'm like, oh, this wow. this just hits everything. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of GI Joe toys, but I watched the shit out of the cartoon. It was like one of my favorite things to watch, and um. And so reading all this, um, it just got me so psyched that he's going to go live with a Kickstarter in March for it. And, um, Beautiful. And even if, you know, even if I didn't know the guy, because the guy is, is just a top-shelf kind of guy. He's just a class act. He's a guy, he's a big advocate for the, for the hobby. He's, he's just a good business, creative, just a top-shelf kind of guy. Even if I didn't know the man from anybody, just knowing that there's a – basically a gi joe rpg out there that's um, beautiful i'm gonna i told him i was like i fucking hate you because i'm gonna dump so much money in this like i don't i can't <laughs> afford this i can't because afford- i'm I, oh. whatever the top tier is i know i'm gonna go in it's gonna be several hundred i already know i'm gonna drop several hundred on it so yeah this is gonna be painful but i'm gonna love it yeah absolutely but it's worth it yeah what about it's, you it's worth it in the end what do, what do you got coming up um 
I was gonna say anything anything else from you. Uh so that um, one's that one's big on my radar. Excited for. Yeah, that one's big yeah. on my radar. Um that's that's kind of the big one. I'm waiting I'm waiting for I'm waiting uh for Mutant Crawl Classics to arrive in my grubby little Oh hands. yeah. Um uh, like I Mutant Crawl Classics is one of those games that's out there and I'm trying not to think about it. Like I've oh, man. I've literally tried not because I, I got the PDF as soon as I got you know they released it and mm-hmm. I read it and it's and I got about I don't know I got I got pretty early into the PDF and I said nope fuck this I'm putting it away um, nope because uh, I'm one of those guys where like if I know too much about it or I think about it too much it just starts like 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 picking at me taking over your life yeah, yeah exactly and I just start watching the calendar and I get you know so <laughs> I'm trying not to think about mutant crawl classics but. You know, I'm seeing more and more like chatter about it. So now I'm slowly starting to like wake up back to like, oh my god, I can't wait for this to come out. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I got the cool leather, um, the leather, the cool leatherette version. If you've ever yes. seen any of the, the DC DCC books with that leatherette, yeah, like, they're just choice. So yeah, um, I'm I'm getting something similar. Uh, you've probably seen this because Brendan was a little. It was on Brendan's radar for a little bit. Uh, it was called Sins. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it's like, have you have you heard of it? Yeah, I did. It, it's familiar. I think it's clear to Brendan too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it finished on Kickstarter a couple months back, and um, and yeah, I got the PDFs, and I just got a message this morning saying that they're they're starting shipping. Oh, that's from the UK. Oh no, that's the, the worst. The th- the thing with this is, it's like they started the Kickstarter, and and I thought, okay, I think they're shooting a little big here because they had like, they had March as as their expected okay. you know, delivery. Okay. And this was like the end of November, beginning of December, I think. Oh yeah, that's never gonna happen. I was <laughs> like, so either they're reaching too big or they've done all the work already. And I think it's it's pretty much the fact that they'd already done their work. Because this is like a three hundred plus page, you know, book, huh. full fledged setting book, et cetera, et cetera, with art and everything. So it's like, did they really get everything done within this three four months? Oh no, they had it. Yeah, no. They definitely had it had it done already. But yeah, the um, the physical book is going to be like um, a white leather leather bound book. It's going to be beautiful. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've got the PDF. It's, it's thick. It is, it, like I said, it's 300 plus pages. And so it's, it's going to be a, a little while before I get to oh, get into that. Yeah. Um, something else I'm looking forward to kind of talked about this before. I just picked up, uh, the PDFs for Torchbear. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, cause buddy of ours, I'm sure you know him, Justin Soroyce. Right. Um, he had gotten it for Christmas and he posted on Instagram and, and I was, I've, I've heard things here and there about Torchbearer, but I never picked it up. I never, you know, I never heard anything more than, you know, this is what Torchbearer is. Take it or leave it kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, and I finally just kind of bit the bullet and bought the PDFs. It's like 15 bucks on, on, uh, drive through 
Yeah, but the book is gorgeous, man. Like, it, the book is oh, it's so nice. It has, like, a foil on it. It has all the things that I love about books. Like, it has, like, a <laughs> texture to it. And yeah. And the art just really pops because it's that very old school. Like, um, so, th- do you want to explain what Torchbearer is for some people? Because I'm sure people – there's a lot of people who don't know what Torchbearer who need to know what Torchbearer is. Uh, yeah, I <sighs> – I haven't read all of it, but it's it's kind of like a, a DCC game, honestly. It's it's kind of like I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of like DCC, except where like DCC. I always describe DCC Dungeon Crawl Classics as, um, especially if you're like if you're a, a man of my age, because I'm pretty fucking old. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an old <laughs> video game called Dragon's Lair, right? Yeah, and it's it's like this little animated game with Dirk Vidarian, and he keeps getting killed over and over again. And it's hilarious and it's brutal, right? Because it's yep. like really fucked up, gruesome deaths, but it's done kind of comedically. But it's still yeah. fucked up and gruesome. That's dungeon crawl classics. Like you're going to die a lot. It's going to be really brutal. Yeah, it's don't gonna, get attached to your characters. Don't too get much. yeah, don't get attached. But it's going to be really funny, right? It's going to be really funny and and gruesome and just very metal, very sort of like a, an '80s yeah. heavy metal cover. Torchbearer is you know it's a rock fall your party dies kind of thing. Yeah. It'll be more or like DC, DCC it, is. Yeah. It'll be like a mountain of skulls crush you. Right. And it's, it's like, Oh, that's fucking brutal. <laughs> Whereas Torchbearer though, Torchbearer is like, Oh fuck. I don't even know. Um, it's like a campaign DCC. It's almost like, yeah, but the tone is different, right? Like the tone is the like, the tone is so much different. The tone is just like, fuck your life. Like you have to compete, you, you like you 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 lose hope, you lose like, um, mm-hmm. like you start losing hope and you start getting kind of depressed and then you start starving. So like eating your buddy is like a viable thing to survive. Like the whole yeah. thing is a survival, gritty, um, brutal dungeon thing where you're you're just pushing the limits of of mm-hmm. survival. Just to make right. it out, which I think is fucking brilliant. Like I love that aspect of it, but you have to manage your food and your light and your sanity, and it's just dark and gritty as fuck. Yeah, it's 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 very dark, but it's I I love the aspect of having kind of like this caravan. Like you kind of build your home, like your, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like a camp, like a campsite. Exactly. Almost. It's a it's a really cool, you know, concept to this game. Yeah, it's you know, having having the whole survival stuff and and the, you know, the elements of DCC in there. You know, just kind of jump into this into this uh, this dungeon, this cave, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and trying to survive. It's really it's really really cool. Yeah, it's on my it's it's on my shelf. I haven't played it yet, but it's it's definitely one of those games I gotta play. Yeah, same. Definitely, I'll I'll keep you in mind when we uh when we bring Torchbearer. Oh hell yeah, I would totally. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else? I'm I'm very excited for the full release of Satanic Panic whenever that comes out. Um, definitely, because what we had played was the playtest documents, the newest version of the playtest documents, right? Um, and so it wasn't complete. They were a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm sure at, at the end of, uh, of our, all of our actual plays, we do what's called RPG reflection. You know, we, we talk about, you know, how do, how do we feel about, you know, this game we just played for two sessions, three sessions, whatever. And, uh, and, you know, we said, you know, the, 
it seemed like the the dual wielding with pistols was way too overpowered. Um, you know, it's like we we had we had our little gripes. You know, it 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 was definitely rough around the edges. Sure. I can say that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just really looking forward to that full release and getting the uh, the full rules and the full experience of of what Satanic Panic is supposed to be. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then you mentioned Sir Royce, so uh, he's yeah. got he's got Beneath Two coming out, and that should be pretty fucking sweet when that comes out. Oh, I know. I I told him, I messaged him on Instagram, and I said, "Hey, uh, how much do I owe you for a, a Beneath Two? And he said, "Give me a second. I'm I'm gonna release a full, you know, a full two book hardcover, you know, package thing right. here pretty soon." Yeah. And I was like, "Damn it, more money! Yeah, You're I know. taking all my money, Sir Royce." Yes, between his his fucking, got... between that and his like cool. Uh, have you seen? Have you got any of his his terrain? No, I haven't gotten any of the terrain. I got I got the sheet. Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw the sheet. It comes with a a, a dice tray, like a little right. rectangular dice tray, and then like a you know you can dry erase. Let me tell you about this son of a bitch. This son of a bitch just takes me for money every time. Every time. <laughs> Because oh, he knows. I have, I have all of the dungeon dealer decks. Yeah, I do too. All of them. I, I got the tray. I got a little, <laughs> I got the crit kit because he cleverly named it so I couldn't help but fucking give him money for it because it's, I think because he put it together when he came out to crit hit because he came out last year. And I think yeah. he called it his crit kit. And so he, he put it online. So I gave him money oh, for that. Fuck. And beneath, and I'm like, oh, you. <laughs> oh, man. He's a bastard. He is. <laughs> he's the nicest guy. When you meet him, he is the nicest, most intelligent. Oh, he's. Yeah, I've I've had him on. I've definitely had him on. Yeah. Oh, but but man, yeah, that that guy's something. Something about him makes us want to just throw money at him. He's on a different level. He definitely. <clears throat> he's on a a whole different creative level, like more more creative than I've seen anybody in a long time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he thinks about things in, in a different level, I think, than, than the rest of us are. And those are the kind of voices we need. Is Absolutely. Is pushing things, uh, in different envelopes to push, is what he's saying. Oh, I think we're, we're on uh, on Full Metal. Were you talking about his uh, the sparkly dungeon tiles? Oh, was that's... That, was that you? No, yeah, I'm not giving him money for that. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> I don't know who I'm kidding. I'm saying that I'm not going to, and I'm cussing him out every You're second. Going to. Yeah, but I'm getting fucking sparkly dungeon. You're getting sparkly dungeon tiles. Sir Royce, you, you son of a bitch. If you're out there, Sir Royce. Oh, shaking you. my Yeah, we're shaking our fists <laughs> and crying at my no. bank account. No, we love you, Sir Royce. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um something else I'm looking forward to. Last thing, I promise, and then I'll stop yakking. Um, I'm making a game. I'm I'm creating a game. Oh, oh, and uh, it's it's gone through a couple play tests. It's gone through like eight revisions already. Okay. Um, I am. I'm hoping to get it done by May because May I'm going to Orlando uh, to meet the guys at MegaCon down right there. Right on. Um, and so I kind of want to have that and. You know, get it on the table. Get get something out there. Yeah, no, for sure, dude. Send me send me send me a, a PDF or something. I want to read it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I love. It I love needs it needs play testing. So I will, I will try <laughs> and, and throw it on the table. I'm play testing mine too as well. I think I sent you the document for it. So. I'm sure I've got it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you did. You did definitely. Um, 
But yeah, if you don't have anything else uh, about what you're excited for, uh, I think that'll be it for this segment of Wish of the Week. So, first off, a couple questions for you, Jim. Okay. Uh, are you playing any games right now? If uh, so, what? I'm playing 7C. Um, which is... Oh, you're our, you're our favorite friend, then. Oh, my God. I fucking love 7C so much. Um, have, you, have you listened? Have you listened yes, to I our, have. our Flash Bash and Panache? Yes, I have. It's fucking great. I love it. Um, it's so much fun. I was saying before we record, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of actual play, but I, but I definitely been listening to the stuff that you guys do because you play games that I would like. There's this Tanner Panic, and you guys are doing Seventh C, and I'm like, nobody's really doing that much Seventh C stuff, which boggles my mind. I know. More there, there, like I looked on podcasts for Seventh C, and there's like one out there that does first edition, and there's one out there that does a couple episodes of of second edition but not very well yeah well part of it is because i love this game so much i think people don't we want to play it yeah and i think part of it is like people so there's 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 a little bit of hate for for second edition out there um a lot of the backers seem you know some of the backers seem to have turned on it and and i think it's because um it's a different game it's a very modern game it's not first edition it, it does take right. a little bit to wrap your head around how to play the game, especially if you come from sort of a traditional background. And, um, but once mm-hmm. you sort of get it, um, it's, it's amazing and it's brilliant. And it's, it's probably one of my favorite systems out. I mean, I'm, I'm actually working on a quasi hack of it for, for another game after I'm done with this. The beautiful. Yeah. So hopefully next year I'll have a, a, a good play test document, but this year I'm putting out one RPG and then, um, next year is going to be basically something that's is based on sort of the mechanics that I liked of 7C because it's so good. Yeah, I'm playing yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, I'm playing that. Know, I'm playing um, with my kids and I'm running at cons. I'm running Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, which is... Uh, oh, man. That's a beautiful document. Oh. It's it's it, For all of you that don't know Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, it is a pay-what-you-want on drive through RPG pay this guy money he did a great job on it oh yeah he I absolutely can. did it's he's from uh the philippines no like brazil or brazil somewhere somewhere down there um brendan had him on the the, the podcast on full metal uh, a couple weeks back i think not right. too long yeah um but yeah this guy did an amazing job it is would you would you consider it a dcc game um it's a mix of DCC and the Black Hack. Yeah, that is what I consider it. It's it's really a mix. Maybe of the it's best of those two games. Maybe it, it's closer to OSR. I don't know. It is. It's it's closer to the Black Hack than anything else. It's basically like if anybody's playing the Black Hack, stop. Like I I told Soroyce as soon as I read this thing, I was like, dude, you got it. Because Soroyce Justin <laughs> runs beneath. He runs beneath with, with, a black with hack. the Black Hack. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, dude, you got to stop. Go get Sharp Swords. It's in my opinion, it's a it's a tighter system, and it does more. It just does everything so well, and it's so elegant. It's it's elegant. It's streamlined. Yeah. It, there's no fat anywhere on this thing. I have I bought the the um, the addendum too, the second book that goes with it, and that's just oh, yeah. too. Just not an ounce of fat on this game. <clears throat> it's lean and it's mean, and it does um, it does what you want it to do. So if you want something that you can just like pick up and play. 
Um, sharp Swords is really kind of my go-to right now. It's like Sharp Swords. Uh, if I want to pick up and play and just get somebody into it, especially if they're new players, I don't want to bog them down with a lot of the DCT crunch or intimidate them by all the weird tables and stuff. Um, I'm going to introduce them with Sharp Swords. But by no means does that mean that this is a light game. Like You can use this thing for oh, no. campaign yeah. play, and it just gets better. It's amazing. It's... It's simple enough to where you can grasp it quickly, but it's not so simple that it it lacks the real meat of a game. No, not at all. You know, it's you know, in, in some places, like the basic rules, it is it is a little lighter, but in the the complexity it's a little heavier. You know, it's it's nuanced. Like you gotta look for yeah. it what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way that um, like their magic system is just so fucking yeah, um, it is. The magic system is brilliant, um, which is basically like your difficulty number that you got to hit for the magic. Like you base it on you know the, on what you want, and the more powerful it is, and the harder it is for you to do. Uh, but you can mitigate yeah. that with other things like optional rules and stuff. But it's there's so much nuance to it. But it's so simple. It's um, I describe you know, like you ever cook like a steak, right? Like there's all kinds of ways to cook yeah. steak, right? And, of course. And but the best way, really, in my opinion, is like pan fry. You just take like a little bit of oil and you put salt and pepper and you put it on a pan, right? Yeah. And and that's the best way to cook it. And what you're going to find is like it's nuanced flavor. That's it's just pure. It's it's pure, but there's also like nuance of flavor in in, in a pan fried steak. That's what sharp swords yeah. is like. It's it's very simple, but it's nuanced, and it makes it um, ultimately satisfying. I'm hungry. Yeah, it is. It is a satisfying game, definitely. Um, what do you are playing? you running anything else? No, that's it. That's that's my main things right now. I'm, I'm doing that, and I'm hopefully gonna uh, do some more play testing for my game for um, uh, uh, Fear and Reason, which is my Cthulhu Dark sort of hack. It's yeah. Cthulhu Dark and Lasers and Feelings, and I mished them together. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I want to play test that because I want to kickstart that this summer. And nice. Want to really try desperately to get in with my friend um, doing a Deadlands game because I want to get back into. Savage Ooh, Deadlands. Ooh, Deadlands. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Um, right now we are playing pretty much all of my playing is, is going to be what you see on the podcast. Um, of course, we're doing 7th C with our, our Flash Bash and Panache. We should have a an episode coming up next week. Sometime. Nice. I think we're playing next week. Um, and that's, that's kind of going to be... Um, Really, a, a year after the the last episode ended, so there's going to be a little bit of a break. Oh, cool! Um, and then the start of a, a kind of a new storyline. Yeah. Um, we are currently playing Cold Shadows. Oh, nice! With with creator Alan Barr. Nice, yes. Which is really exciting because, as as stressful as it is for Mark to run the game, uh, you know, having having the person that created the game you're playing. Um, you know, in the game, it's, it's a really, it's a really fun game. Um, it's, it's nuanced. It's, you know, all of these games that are coming out right now are, are pretty heavily nuanced. Um, you know, it's got, well, Alan's got pedigree too, man. Like, oh, of course, with all his tiny dungeon stuff tiny and, dungeon. uh, what's it? The space one he did, he did tiny, what's tiny it? galaxies, tiny galaxies. Yeah. Tiny. Yeah. Space. I know he did a space one. I haven't I haven't checked out the space one, it, but Tiny Dungeon's really good. Yeah, oh Tiny Dungeon is really and he, he just they just released the second edition of Tiny Dungeon. Right. Um which is I think I think 
steps better than uh, than the first edition. But um, but yeah, he's got he's got he's been he's worked with uh, John Wick and company, and they they've done quite a bit of of you know kind of important looking stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you haven't read Cold Shadows, Cold Shadows is a beautiful game. Um, Cold War spy game. Yeah, yeah, it's a we're we're doing um, Berlin, kind of around that that time, which is really it's it's a really cool setting. You can have a lot of cool settings and cool storylines with this time period. You know, with this the spy era of this time period, with the Cold War. It's 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 a beautiful game. It really is. Um, my buddy uh, Ben Warner worked on on that as well. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he was telling us about that. But my, yeah, um, my life is so weird. Like I, you know, I went from, you know, growing up and playing all these games and being sort of like the only person that was always trying to champion to get people to play role playing games to like, you know, the last couple of years. You know, I look at like my chats and my interactions on Facebook and stuff like that and who I'm hanging out with. And it's like, it's all these amazing creative people that are just making stuff. And, and, and they're like the people that I would, I I'm fans of like, like, you know, Ben's a fan. Um, yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, John, I, I've known John through different circles for a couple of years now. And, and uh, I actually met him before I kind of knew, I knew of his games, but I never really looked at his games. And, yeah, you know, I just knew John, and then I start reading his stuff, and then you know, I become a fan of my friends and the people that I surround myself with because they're all so fucking talented, and and it's it's a little intimidating sometimes when you you look around, and you're like, God, I'm I'm the lamest guy out of my circle. <laughs> like that's me. I'm the one. Right. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel too. <laughs> Definitely. You know, we talk. Even, I mean, I mean, by even, by John, I assume you mean John Wick. John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. And, definitely. And, uh, even like Brendan, like uh, Brendan's working on a game, and Jesus, yep, Christ. ravenous, Jesus fucking Christ, that thing's so good. He's he's um, putting his fucking heart into that thing. Oh man, um, he's redoing the the rule system. The which, rules from yeah, from, yeah from PBTA. Yeah, I'm gonna fight with him on that. We're gonna we're gonna have like a really heated discussion. I already know that's. Gonna, that's oh coming. man, yeah, he's he was he was telling me the fact that, you know, he had all this done with with the PBTA, powered by the apocalypse, um. And you guys were talking about, you know, releasing it, just having it, having something out there. And then he was like, "No, I don't want to, I don't want to put out half-assed work shit if I don't feel it," you know. Yeah. And uh, and he's he's changing it completely. Yeah. So we'll, but we'll yeah, see. good on good on him for sticking to his guns. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but but again, his his writing is just top notch, and it's like, um, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm kind of lucky that way. Like, you know. I talk to people and people are playing games of people that I know and that's fucking weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, um my uncle is um is like real good friends with like George R R Martin. Oh wow, that's cool. And Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games. Right. And it's like he's got, you know, ins on cuz he's a convention goer. He's he's a he's a con goer. Right. And um, and he meets all these people and gets to know him. And he's he's known like George R. R. Martin since he was before he even started writing any of the the Ice and Fire stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny how the, these connections that you you make, you know how they work. 
it's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, with with what I've been playing, I've pretty much been doing you know the Seventh Sea. We have the Cold Shadows game going, and then we've been play testing my game here and there. Um, we plan on play testing. I say play testing. It's pretty much released. Um, my co-host Steve, he he's creating a uh, a card game called Recamec. And uh, it's about fighting <laughs> robots, you know, like fighting, you know, oh. mech robots. It's it's amazing. Oh, that's so good. Um, but yeah, he's he set up the game on Tabletopia. I don't know if you've heard of Tabletopia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little on the tabletop simulator thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's he set up the game in there for three people. We're gonna get in there and play it. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a good time. Since. Um, you know, them in Florida, they're like an hour and a half away from each other, even though they're both in Orlando. And then I'm here in Oklahoma, and so we can't, you know, sit down until May. We're, you know, for the first time ever, the three of us on the podcast are going to be, you know, together in the same fucking room together. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, we're going to have a tabletop radio hour um, table at, uh, at Megacon this year. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, are you a player or a GM more often? Uh, GM. GM, always Definitely. a GM. Um, uh, I, I don't get to play as much as I'd like, um, but ultimately <laughs> I, I like, um, it's just from, you know, my background, um, I was always the one who had to wrangle people up and convince people to try, you know, these weird Same. little hobbies. So, you know, it got to the point that I just got used to GMing all the time. Um, so now I'm more comfortable GMing than I am playing. But I love playing. Um, you know, I love sitting in on games. Like, uh, I just finally, you know, I went to RinCon, which is a local con down here in Arizona. Yeah. And uh, and just played. And it was amazing. I just got to sit and play. I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to plan mm-hmm. anything. I just You didn't have to plan anything. That's the big part. Yeah. I just sat those, down. Those of you out there that aren't GMs. That's the big part, is the planning, is the getting everything settled down. It's not even that. It's the fucking anxiety of right before, like, oh, I'm going to screw this. Oh, my God. Seriously. So, speaking of conventions and, you know, running games at conventions, you mentioned. Um, more specifically about Crit Hit, do you run or play games at conventions yourself, or are you, like, a behind-the-scenes kind of person? Um, so I, I run a convention. Um, I made the convention basically based off of um, everything that I would want in a uh, gaming convention. And the ironic part is I don't get to play or run <laughs> games at my own convention. Um, so uh, I guess I'm behind the scenes. Um, I do like running games at conventions. So like if it's somebody else's convention, like um, there's, a, there's a couple game cons that are coming up and uh and i'm going to be running i'm actually i'm running uh at uh, in arizona there's uh, something called arizona game fair and i'll be running sharp swords and sinister spells there and i'm going to be yeah. in la i think the week after um running sharp swords and sinister spells in la as well so i am i am uh an apostle for for, uh, for sharp <laughs> for, swords for the hobby yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i'll be running well that's awesome Awesome. Do you do you have uh, an ongoing um, campaign going on right now? No, I mean, uh, 
like I'm running a seven C game and um, we're two sessions in and we're trying to figure out if that's going to be like a once a month or twice a month. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that's about as close to a campaign. Mostly I run kind of one shots. That's, I think that's kind of how the hobby is for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the days of campaigns are really, really tough. Yeah. And um, that reminds me of Brendan mentioned a while back on one of the podcasts, um, especially with powered by the apocalypse. He's saying like a lot of people are like frowning upon campaign style gaming with PBTA. You know, it, you can, I mean the, the games, people keep saying that they're not made for long play campaigns. They, they really are. I think, I think that's a big misconception about powered by the apocalypse is you can run long form campaigns because it's not like there's no progression. There's definitely progression. Right. And, and there's definitely, um, it's definitely there. And, and, and the more you play, you know, the richer that character is going to become just by virtue of having more options that they can do, more moves, because it's all about right. the moves. Now, you're not going to do, you know, 20 levels of, of <laughs> you know, Dungeon World. But, but then again, how many people do that, you know, for, for anything? Like, even Dungeon Call Classics, it, you know, the, it creeps up about level 8, you're done. You know, um, ten, you're done. Right. Um, and and I think I think that's more realistic in in today's age, and especially, you know, just you know everything competing for your, um, not only entertainment dollar but sort of like your entertainment minute, right? Right. Yeah. The time. The time that you have to put into. Yeah. Right. So, um, you exactly. know, people, people the, say that. Yeah. Go ahead. The only thing I've seen, you know, go you know, an excessive amount of time is like critical role with fifth edition. Right. They, they got to level 18, 19. Right. Before, before they stopped this, uh, this campaign. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering, like, I didn't see all of it. I saw, I saw bits and pieces of it, but you know, there's, there's gotta be some fudging there with, with, uh, advancement because it, it takes a lot to grind out that many mm-hmm. levels. And, um, yeah. And then at a certain point, it's like, it, at a certain point, it, it in my opinion, it, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter because the whether you have a level twenty in in D anD D or a level eight in Dungeon Call Classics or a level three in Dungeon World, it's all about the GM and what they present and the yeah. way they present it. I mean, if you look at stuff like, you know, like even like Lord of the Rings. That's a first level character, right? That's a first or second level character. Like Frodo is not, you know, he's not uh, a, a leveled up. Character. He's not experienced at all. No, not yeah, at all. He has but, no adventuring experience. He has no combat experience. Right, and by the end et cetera, of it, et cetera. By the end of it, maybe he's level two, right? Maybe and or three. Yeah, or probably. three. And and but this is an epic campaign to save the world. So you don't necessarily need this power creep. I mean. Um, you know, this is kind of my problem with why I don't play stuff like, you know, as much as I love Dungeons and Dragons, I don't play it because I don't, uh, I don't, I like OSR and I like story games because I'm more about the story than I am. Mm-hmm. Look at all the bells and whistles that I can kind of tap into my character. I don't need a lot yeah. of points to push. I just need a good story. Right, right. And that's, that's always my gripe with uh, Pathfinder. There's a lot of people that play Pathfinder want a power game. They want to, 
you know, do the most damage per hit. And I'm like, that's not what I'm about. You know, I don't want, I don't want a game experience like that. Yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with heard, that. There's nothing wrong one with of that. our episodes where we talked about um, my experience at my local game store here, played 3.5. Right. Um, you know, this, this campaign, I guess it was ongoing, whatever. And uh, sat down, we played for two, two and a half hours, got through like five rounds of combat. Oh, wow. That's it. <laughs> it was it was terrible. It was horrible. I'm like, why do you do this? Yeah. Why? Why? Do you, why? How is this fun for anybody? <laughs> well, it is, you know, I think, it's like, some people like that, and, and it's kind of like, <clears throat> you know, it's almost like like guys that like to like work on their cars, right? It's about you know optimization, <laughs> and and it's about you know it's right. really it's about getting the gear ratios right. It's about getting the fuel air mixture right. It's about you know knowing how to bore out the engine so you get you know a little bit more horsepower and how to right. how to yeah. tune the computer and all that stuff, right? And and that's cool because you'll spend hours doing this, and then actual running time. You're not going to run very much with this car. You're you're going to race it yeah. a couple times, and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. but for them, the fun, I think is in tuning it. I think, I think it's in the planning. Yeah. yeah it's in the strategy and that I, I think that's, that's, you know, that's the reason people like Pathfinder and people like, you know, some, some more traditional games is because they like that tuning aspect of it. Whereas me, I'm like, just give me a car that goes fast. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'll take a Porsche. I'm never going to open it up. I'm never going to go into the hood. I just need to know that I have a Porsche and I can go zero to 60 in 4.3 seconds. That's all I got to know. Right, right, yeah, and it's it's, you know, like with me, I'm just like, give me a car, let me see, let me see the scenery, let me, you know, take the sunset in, you know, that's 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 the kind of gamer that I I am, and that that I want to get out of games. Exactly. You know, I want to know about the story. I want to progress the story. You know, I want to do character building, character development. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's more important. Relationships, you know, stuff like that in game and it's it's uh it's hard to do that with with the whole optimization route the whole power gaming route as i like to call it you know people always say too like well you know you can always just role play it out yeah you can but if the system is geared for combat you're not gonna you're gonna you know there's not gonna be a lot of rp yeah it's it's like that writing rule right like i forgot what the name of the rule is but it's like if you put a gun in the scene you have to use the gun (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think that's the same thing with like role playing games. If you put all this heavy combat stuff, you have to use it. Like if you're just going to go towards that, um, you're not going to have an Alan Sorkin uh, drama of people talking about the really heavy stuff in a very compelling way. If everything, if everybody's carrying a sword and a gun, because people don't want that. They want to. They want to shoot and fight. So I think, yeah, I think there's there's a time and a place for certain systems. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like, and and with with Seventh C, it's it's important the fact that they didn't include a list of weapons. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I absolutely love it because, um, in our in our first campaign here on the podcast, only lasted two sessions. It wasn't, you know, it, it fizzled really quickly. Um, but one of one of our characters was a chef. And his weapon was a, a butcher's knife. That's it. That's that's fucking, that's where the creativity took him. That's fucking rad. I'm like, why is why is this not in games more? Allowing these people to optimize the way they want to quote unquote optimize 
Right, exactly. And exactly. making your character better on the character side instead of the damage side. So, um, have you played Dungeon World? I haven't. So, Dungeon World uh, does kind of the same thing, where, like, in Dungeon World, um, like, a fighter does D10 damage. Mm-hmm. And so, there's, like, well, how come there's not, you know, lists of stuff? And it's because it doesn't fucking matter. The, the matter. fighter is going to do damage. Like, he's going to do 10 points of damage. And, you know, it's, it's about... Um, it's about how you narratively say it, and it's the fact that the fighter is the one who's going to do the major damage in the story, yeah. versus like your thief is the one who's going to do all the sneaky the shit. Sneaking, yeah. yeah. And it's about facilitating that. Yeah, and and something something with uh, with another game, of course, it's John Wick, um, but like Legend of the Five Rings, it's you know it is a, a story based game. And at the beginning of the game, you get the best weapon that you can ever get. That's the point. <laughs> right. You know, you don't have to focus on that. You get a katana. A katana is the best weapon in the game. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go tell a story. Now you that. can focus on the story. <laughs> exactly. And, and I love that. I love that about, about 7C. I love that about Dungeon World where it's like the, the weapons don't matter. It's, it's really just yeah. about what you do with it. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I uh, I interviewed Jim McClure one time. Oh wow! He has his own. He has his own podcast. He's right. he's the one that's doing Satanic Panic. Right. Right. And um, you know, he told me he told me his his campaign story about you know his uh, Legend of the Five Rings game, and it's like you know he he paused and he said, you know, it wasn't Jim, it wasn't you know. It wasn't the people at the table there. It was the characters in Rokugan there. And hearing him tell this story is like the best thing. Yeah. Because it's like that's what a role-playing game is. You're not the people sitting at the table. You're the people in the game. And that's what matters. I'm getting ranty. I know I'm getting way too way too ranty about this. But no. again, it's that's that's you know a personal preference on how I like to play my games. And, you right. Know. But it's like, in my opinion, that's what role playing is. Role playing isn't sitting down at a table with six people and a GM and doing two and a half hours of combat, getting through like a minute and a half of in-game time. Right. No, it's, it's yeah, it's about telling the story. Yeah. My new thing lately is trying to speed up the, the process of telling the story. Um, uh, not so much in, like, so how can I, let's see, what am I trying to say? So what I'm, what I'm fascinated lately by is being able to tell a complete story in less time. Um, yeah. Is is because you know a movie can do a uh, you know a complete story in two hours. Um, I want to try and do complete chapters, if you will, even if it's a linked adventure, even if it's like a campaign. I want chapters, um, you know, uh, in three hours. I have the perfect game for you. Well, I, th- I think it's, it's not so much the game; it's it's writing. And and pacing, and 
and story crafty. But I think there's definitely games that, that do that. And most story games, I think, do that. Like Power by the Apocalypse, you can do that. Seventh um, C, I'm really playing with this a lot in Seventh C because I, I watched John Wick do it, on because mm-hmm. uh, he he was on um, he had a he had a web series uh, uh, with Seventh C where he ran in Seventh C. Um, um, uh, what is it called? It's called um, Starter Kit. And yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was it was three hours, but it was this epic. You know, you know, it's all you know spread out, but it's three hours basically. Um, mm-hmm. They're half hour episodes of just solid cut to the chase narrative gaming. And I think that's what I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. trying to gear myself and hone myself to that, to that point where I can tell a complete uh, session, if you will, in like an hour. Like, yeah. can, I, can I do that? Like, I don't know if that's possible, but I, I'm fascinated by the idea of being able to tell something that's meaty and tastes good and is satisfying in, in an hour, an hour and a half, you know, maybe even two hours. Right. Um, versus four hours or, you know, whatever a standard game session is. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of, of being able to cut to the chase of the story. Yeah. Um, I would give the game Reflections a look. Hmm. Reflections is also by Jim McClure. Okay. Uh, it is a game of dueling samurai which he told me is it's essentially a front. It's it's a a hook. You can do this with any setting where there are two people in conflict. Okay. You know, that has to that 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 comes out with one person being on top essentially. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I I I think John Wick even wrote a a sample setting, like a sample situation in the in the book as well. That's cool. But it it plays through scenes. It's like these scenes can last two minutes or they can last an hour. You know, you can you can get to a resolution of this scene as quickly as you want to or need to. Um, and then it goes through different you know major you know major moments of this story. You know, going from scene to scene. Right. Yeah. It's 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 a really great nuanced game. That's cool. Yeah, um, I was I was playing it's, around it's with that. two players, you know, of course. But uh, well, there's uh, there's also um, Murderous Ghosts uh, by Jason Morningstar, which is the same mm-hmm. thing. It's it's one person's um, a person in like an abandoned building, and the other one is a ghost trying to kill him. And it's two players, and it's very intense. And you played in about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's a brilliant fucking game. The mechanics are so good. It's basically PBTA only. With a, a blackjack component, like blackjack, okay, like interesting. Yeah, it's really really good, and um, and I was even playing around with it. I, I have um, it's very much an alpha game, but it's sitting on on a shelf as like the third project. Eventually, I'll get to, but it was a two player game, uh, kind of the same thing where it's two people that are conflicting stories and 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 you're finding out how they got to that spot and stuff. Um, nice. Yeah, because again, this this idea of of condensed role playing is. I'm glad to hear that other yeah. people are, are in the same boat. Oh, definitely. And I, I think, uh, going back, talking about the same people over and over again, I guess. Uh, I think Alan Barr did something similar. Um, I know John Wick did something similar. Right, yeah. With, uh, with Blood and Honor. As far as the whole kind of 
easy conflict resolution kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of blood and honor in, in 7C, I think. I think there's a lot of stuff there. And a lot of the Oh, definitely. Yeah, so. Um, next point. So back to crit hit a little bit. Um, what what's on the docket for this year? Is there are there events? Are there panels? Are we yeah, absolutely. What's Ab- going on? Absolutely. So uh, crit hit this year is um, uh, it's ambitious. It's bigger. Um, we're trying to raise fifty percent more money because we're trying to grow it, and um, and 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 really push kind of what this started off as into into something else. Um, so some of the changes this year are kind of cool. Like um, uh, we're going to have thir- – so we're going to have uh, 13 rooms for the majority of our RPGs, 13 mm-hmm. living room suites. In oh, yeah, that's right. I heard you talking about this a little bit. This is exciting. I right. love this. And um, so – uh, yeah, so we're going to have a living room suite, and, and most of our games are going to be played um, in these suites because it's it's a very intimate setting, and it allows allows for uh, building tension and, and kind of just having just those quiet moments that you need, and especially in some of these indie games that we're talking about, right? It's really about the drama and the ac- versus the action. So, yeah. um, thirteen uh, suites for that. Um, we're going to have what I uh, what I call the Dragon Hall. And the Dragon Hall is going to be like a, a big area where we have uh, D&D and Pathfinder. And they're going to be in, in that whole section by themselves. Um, so they can stay away from everybody else. Yeah, so they can stay away from everybody else. <laughs> but it's also because I want to have like, a, I'm, I'm working on getting a mega game out, which is like a big table game that happens all simultaneously. Nice. Um, so we are, you know, we want to definitely expand the D&D experience. Um, we're going to have... Uh, and board games, uh, board games are expanded significantly this year than they have in, in past years. And, and my big thing with board games <clears throat> is that board games essentially at conventions are a giant library of games with some scheduled games. And the scheduled games are usually stuff that you've played before. It's, you know, it's it's your Ticket to Rides. It's, you know, your Catan. It's yeah. kind of your standby games, right? Um, and that's that's kind of what game conventions are as far as board games go um yeah it's a it's a library you can rent a game and play it for a slot of an hour or so right and and sometimes you know sometimes there's there's tournaments so there's like a ticket to ride tournament or a Catan tournament or yeah or or, you know whatever um and and that's fine that works and people like that and for sure um but you know being a small convention the way that we are um that model wasn't going to work and it's not really kind of the crit hit way um, right, so, not your style. No, I mean we have, you know, I love board games. I mean, I'm sitting in my game room right now, and I have two shelves that are <laughs> stuffed. I mean, all the way to the roof on one of them to the ceiling, I have, you know, piles of board games, um, literally. Uh, but Crit Hit is really about like sort of an indie aesthetic, right? So like we yeah. have a lot of indie games at Crit Hit. We play a lot of small games. Like if there's a game yet, you know, you wish somebody would play, like hits the place to go for that kind of thing so i want to do the same thing for board games where you know we're going to focus on on board games that are indie so these little kicks yeah little indie style you know quick board games um 
And then the other thing that we're going to focus on is what I call adventure board games or dungeon in the box games. So yeah. the other the other part to to gaming to board gaming at conventions is again it's it's sort of your your traditional standby Euro games. It's it's you know your Catan and that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of Euro games. So you're just pushing around cubes trying to get victory points, right? Yeah. Um, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. I have Brainbuster, you know, uh, Brainbuster, uh, you know, Euro games sitting on my shelf. I love me some wooden cubes, but <laughs> wooden also, cubes and meeples. Yeah, wooden cubes and meeples. But I love me some Ameritrash. Like I love yeah. me, you know, you know, a really thematic, heavy kind of game. Like I love Arkham Horror. Right. I oh, love I, games. Like I that. love Arkham Horror. Yeah, because it's 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 exciting, right? It's it's got a, a great theme. So what I want to do for Crit Hit is we're going we're gonna to focus, as well as on indie games, like little Kickstarter indie games, we're also going to focus on uh, adventure games, what I'm calling adventure games or dungeon-in-the-box games. So like your D&D yeah. board games, um, or Myth, um, Mice and Mystics, Gloomhaven. Oh, Mice and Mystics. Uh, yeah, if, if people haven't played Mice and Mystics, go, f- go find a copy of Mice and Mystics and play it. Love it, I love it. It's it's a good intro to to you know the the whole role playing game aspect. Of it things. really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like these role playing experiences, right, where you're exploring dungeons and kicking down doors and killing monsters and taking their shit. Um, so I want to focus on those games because those games don't get any love, I think, at conventions. I think they're kind of no. almost looked down on, right? Like, yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. definitely see that. Like people play them, but you don't see them at conventions. You don't see a big game of Descent really happening too much at conventions because I think people kind of oh, look Descent. down. Right, people look down on these kind of things, and it's like, no, you know what? This, this, these are valid games that tell stories and need to be celebrated, just like role playing games, right? Yeah. So, so we're going to focus on those. Like we're doing, I'm working with a couple of GMs, um, but we're going to do stuff like, um, you know, the D and D board games. Um, yeah. So we're going to take a D and D board game, and if you've ever cracked one of these open. They have like you know a, a campaign in it, and mm-hmm. it's usually like like twelve or fourteen games or something like that, and right. that's a whole campaign, right? Um, and you play through this whole story. So what I want to do is because Crit Hit is um, based on four hour blocks. Even even the the board games are like two hour blocks or one hour blocks, but but every but they're still based on chunks of four, right? Chunks because, of four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, a side note, the thing to Crit Hit is like there's a one hour block where no games happen at crit hit. So it's like every four hours, everything stops. Okay. Right. And that's because I want people to be social. Little right? break. Yeah. 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 I don't want games back to back. I don't want people rushing. I want people grabbing a beer and hanging out and talking. Right. Um, that's, that's sort of the crit hit uh, ideal is to do that yeah. sort of thing. And so, so even board games are based off around these four hour blocks where everything stops. But what I want to do for these adventure board games and for these campaigns is to do stuff like get this D&D game and take these 14 or 12 adventures and we're <coughs> going to trim the fat, so to speak. We're going to trim the fat and we're going to get it down to eight to eight, to eight um, adventures. And then what we're going to do is we're going to split them up between two days. So Saturday, during one of the blocks of time, you can play the first four adventures of the D&D board game. Then you come back on Sunday and you play the last four. So over the weekend, you'll play oh, the entire nice. campaign of a box set. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's almost like kind of Adventure League, like right. with uh, Pathfinder and D&D. Exactly. You, know, you have individ- individual missions that, you know, 
Right. And uh, I last got of- an hour, uh, two hours, whatever. And, and so uh, typically in those D&D board games, you can get through one mission in about an hour. So you can do four, That's four missions in a four-hour block and then come back the next day and finish up the campaign. Yeah, and the good thing with that compared to like Pathfinder Adventure League or whatever, whichever one of them is considered a lot. I don't remember what the name is. But with, with those and with a, a traditional RPG, it's easy to get off track. And then that takes two hours when it should have taken one. You know, right. you can you can go the wrong direction. You can, you know, you can do these things. But with the board game, it's a lot more linear. It is. It's a lot more everything you do gets you toward this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they don't they don't have to be triggers or, you yeah. know, you have to find this person to continue or whatever. No, because you're, you're, you're cutting out all the RP part of it. You're going straight yeah. for the tactical board game, which is fun. There's a place for that. And so, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we want to do with mm-hmm. uh, sort of our adventure track. We're doing another thing, too, where, like, um, I have a friend, and we're working on this. Um, we, he's actually going to put together um, a uh, pandemic uh, legacy game. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, but we're going to try and, and figure out mechanically how to distill it down again so you can play it. Within know, that time. Within yeah. Within that time, yeah, in, within two four-hour blocks playing this this legacy game and um and if not it'll be kind of a truncated like a four-hour legacy game which is like one part of a legacy game so we're working on different things like that to to give sort of that that satisfying like i played something and finished it and never finishing it. Yeah. yeah 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 absolutely and that's that's crit hit man like crit hit is supposed to be you know a different way of experiencing the hobby you know we all love the hobby and and there's different aspects of the hobby and we want to push what that means, especially in in a setting where it's an event. Um, you know, even even so far as it, like, I kind of caved in. Um, it's kind of a personal story. I kind of caved in the first two years where you know I refer to it <coughs> as a convention. It was never supposed to be a convention. If you look at the very first Kickstarter, it's called a, a tabletop role playing event. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want the word con um, in there. I don't want con or convention because I don't. I don't think that fits credit. I think the time for conventions is kind of at an end. Like it's 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 kind of running its course. And yeah. And that's kind of weird to say when conventions are actually growing. But I think <laughs> but I think like a convention works if you're a giant convention, if you're a Gen Con, you know, if you're forty thousand people or a hundred thousand yeah. people. But I think for everything else short of those giant things, um, you're not. You're just trying to emulate those what those bigger things do, but on a smaller scale. And I'm not a sure. More, that... A more isolated kind of niche yeah. scale. Because, yeah. you know, conventions, the bigger conventions have all this non-gaming stuff. Right. You know, all these, like, I'm going to go to Megacon. Megacon isn't a gaming convention. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a convention. It's going to have sci-fi. It's going to have TV, movie, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's going to have a small section for, for gaming, of course. Right. So even with Critit, I'm, I'm trying to get away from that. So, you know, probably after the Kickstarter's over, um, I've gone through some some ruminations while after I launched the Kickstarter and, and talking to some of the staff. And really, as we're shaping Crit Hit more to what my original vision of Crit Hit was going to be, um, I think you're going to see after, if you know, if we fund, we're halfway there, we're 53%, and with 27 days left, um, if we fund... You're going to see um, 
the branding of it. It's still, you know, Crit Hit is like, so actually Con is not in the name Crit Hit. It's just, you know, like this year's Crit Hit 3, um, Murder Hobos on Yeah. Um, but it's going to start getting referred to as what it rightfully should be and what was always my intention, which is um, a tabletop gaming retreat. Yeah. So, and that's beautiful. That's, that's so smart because every, the, the gaming aspect of things gets muddled by all the other bullshit. Right. You know, exactly. William Shatner's here again. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. going to every con and having all these big names. It's like everybody wants to go and do that stuff. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I want. Like every year, Crit Hit kicks off with Friday night. We all hang out in the bar and we get beer and burgers and we just bullshit about games. That's Friday. It's amazing. Night. Yeah. You know, there's an hour in between each game because I want people to disconnect from their cell phones. I want people to, you know, take that time to interface with another human. And I think that that's really right. important, right? It's, it's really important to connect with another person. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what I want. You know, um, I want people to, to kind of get away for a little while, enjoy themselves, have a drink, hang out with some friends, play some games, and, uh, and have a good time uh, enjoying the hobby that we nobody has enough time to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's, that's absolutely amazing for you that you're, you're doing this and you're progressing. That's I'm trying. Absolutely yeah, the, amazing. The big, the big, uh, the big thing is, is the Kickstarter, obviously, because this is all very expensive. You know, we're trying to raise $9,000. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that people oddly latched on to was like the fact that Crit Hit is 18 and over. Um, Which is great. It's, it's, I mean, it, it kind of, filters out the people that aren't that serious about it uh I th- yes and no i mean uh, <laughs> there's something to be said for like you know you have to grow the hobby and you have to get new people in there and that's fine and, and crit hit is not just crit hit like crit hit doesn't just have the one event we do smaller events throughout the year so like for example last year we had crit hit in july right yeah um uh or actually you can go back to 2016 uh so we had Crit hit in July, and then we had something called Sanity Loss, where we took over like the top part of this bar, like the second story of a bar, and mm-hmm. we were there all day playing games, horror games, um, getting beers and burgers. Right? That's awesome. So if you notice, alcohol is like a big part of this, right? So um, there's nothing wrong exactly. with that. Exactly. Nothing so we, wrong with that. We did that. We did um, we did a fundraising event called Sleigh Bells, S L A Y. Yeah, that's right. I remember that one from yeah. last year. We we raised money for stuff. This year we did it again, where we, you know, we did a uh, 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 sanity loss two, and and we hung out in in the bar again and, and played games, and then in November we took over a haunted bed and breakfast, so it's called Dead and Breakfast. Oh, so that's um, amazing. Yeah, we went to Bisbee, Arizona, which is like supposed to be like the most haunted town in Arizona, and we took over this like eighteen um, hundreds, you know, you know coal, like miner, like gold miner or some shit, like some sort of miner. Um, this this house where they would live is called the Oliver House, and we took it over. We we all rented out all the rooms, and we spent the weekend gaming in a little town way up in the mountains in Arizona. That's awesome. <clears throat> so Crit Hit is more than that, and so like this year we're going to do something called Tiny Epic Fest, and Tiny Epic Fest is a celebration <laughs> of um, Tiny Epic Kingdom and Tiny Epic yeah. Games, right? So the Tiny Epic Western and all that. Um, and so that's family friendly, right? Like this things in Bisbee is not like that's that's eighteen and over, but then right. we want to do things for families too because you know I have kids, 
And I think gaming is, yeah. is an important opportunity to bond with your family and your friends. And so we, we do do things that are like family friendly, like Tyabic Fest. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm trying to put together a game day with its RPG with your kids, not your kids' RPG. It's adults and your kids um, gaming yeah. together. Um, and those are like one off events that we do. But Crit Hit itself as an event, I really want it to be three time over um, because I think as a parent, I think not enough parents take time out for themselves to sort of rejuvenate and reconnect with, you know, a little part of their youth mm -hmm. that they may have lost, you know, or, or just get away, period. You know, you, you give so much as a parent. I think this is a little a little retreat. Again, that's why I'm going to start calling it um, yeah. a gaming retreat. Yeah, and, and you're building a community. You you really are. It's, you know, you're giving these people the opportunity to come here and maybe find people to game with regularly or, you know, whoever's whoever's local there. You know, it, you know, gives people from out of town to come and go on go on like you said, a retreat. It's exactly. it's amazing. Exactly. Uh any any super secret plans for for Crit Hit this year? Um that super you can say. <laughs> uh, super secret plans. Um, guests, there's a couple guests that are coming. Um, some of them are very big names that have tiny games, and that's what I'll leave it at. And if you yeah. listen to this podcast, you might know who I'm talking about, but uh, nothing's <laughs> official yet. Everything looks good so far, but I can't announce it just yet. But uh, we're going to have we're gonna have usual guests. Um, our theme this year is Murder Hobos on Holiday, so it's a celebration of all things like 80s-style Gaming That's awesome. Like, so I'm encouraging people to like wear your fucking old Iron Maiden shirts and shit because it's <laughs> there's gonna be metal blasting throughout this whole thing. Just be prepared for that. Like it's gonna Brendan's happen. gonna be right at home. Oh, he is. That man's gonna that, that man's just gonna weep tears of joy. <laughs> um, uh, and then not not so secret is uh, vendor hall and panels are gonna be free. Oh, that's awesome. So you don't have to pay to go shop. You can just show up, shop, sit down, listen to people who are passionate about gaming, kind of like listening to a podcast. You're going to have yeah. podcasters there, um, and this whole section is going to be basically free um, to try and just kind of give back to the community, to have a place to people to check out all these games, and check out all these creators, and check out all these people yeah. talking about things that are really passionate. And hey, if you want to go and you know pay for a day pass, go for it. Love to have you hey, in the game. That's awesome. That's really great. Uh, yeah, giving people the opportunity to, you know, interact with these creators right? Um, for free. You don't have to buy a pass. You don't have to have a wristband to get into the vendor hall, which is beyond me. I have no idea why anybody does that. Right. They already make money on the tickets. They make money from the vendors who have to pay them. Exactly. Like, it's just a giant money grab for most it of is. these places. It is. It is. And, and, you know, I don't begrudge anybody who, who operates that way. That's not the crit hit way. Um, no. You know, if, if, like, every other convention does that, and that's cool, like, that's your deal, and that's how you do it, and that's how you run it, and it's, you know, it's probably a smarter move business-wise than, you know, than what I'm doing, but I'm not trying to, you know, I don't need to make a house payment. Um, right. I want to build a community, and, and, and I'm willing to take a hit off of, you know, a badge to have yeah. some guy who worked three years on a fucking board game sell somebody their board game and that board yeah. game in turn goes home with them and they share it with their family and you know 20 years from now some kids like hey remember when we were playing that game with dad and mom in the kitchen and it's like 
that's that's it's the experience it's the bonding yeah absolutely that's more important than like 45 bucks that i have here yeah but please give me 45 bucks so i can fund the fucking convention (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i do understand these big conventions having to having to pay celebrities and having you know to show up and have all these special guests and that's not free they don't just show up they get paid for it of course but yeah um yeah, good on you having having all these these uh, included things with with your prize. That's amazing. That's great. Um, what's this thing about uh, Full Metal RPG pretty much controlling Crit Hit this year? Oh, so Crit is basically Full Metal RPG, the convention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Brendan is in charge of Brendan panels. To be... Yeah, Brendan's in charge of panels. Beautiful. Um, because the man is really great at, at knowing how to entertain people. And, uh, that he and, is. He really and is. And Adam is uh, the uh, Adam is the guy in charge of RPGs. He he is the director of RPGs for Crit Hit. So Adam Sink, everybody. Adam Sink. <laughs> of, Beautiful. Of Ponies of Sin fame, which uh, is <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Ponies of Sin. <laughs> have you it's played funny. that with him? Uh, no, but uh, w- you know we have a little designers group in in our red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Crystal, you know, who's my beautiful partner, um, she's played it, and she absolutely fucking fell in love with it. And she doesn't play RPGs. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Oh, it's so good. Uh, for for those of you who don't know, uh, Ponies of Sin is a My Little Pony slash what else collaboration? Hellraiser. It's Hellraiser versus uh, Hellraiser. My Little Pony. Yeah, where you know friendship is magic and magic is heresy. Exactly. <laughs> I love the tagline. Oh, that's so good. It's so brilliant. Like it. But yeah, Adam. Adam custom designed. He designed this, didn't he? Yeah. That's. It's, if you read it, it's Adam. It's Adam. It's definitely Adam. Oh, yeah. It's one hundred percent Adam. He's he's the the man is brilliant and and just so kinetic. Like he's just so full of energy, and it's all there on the page. It's it's amazing. That's absolutely wonderful. Uh, do you have anything else to plug? No, crit hit, crit hit, crit hit. Like if you're in Arizona and you want to come out, or if you're not in Arizona, you're near Arizona, Oklahoma, <laughs> say, or New Mexico, or something cool like that, or LA, then please come on out. We'd love to have you July 13th, 14th, 15th. Um, the Kickstarter's on right now. Um, it's uh, 45 bucks for a badge. There's all kinds of extra swag you can get. Crit hit is kind of known for the swag that we have, which is kind of <laughs> nice. Um, and, uh, and if not, tickets go on sale, assuming we fund. Tickets go on sale the day after, so um, well, either the way, the day after funding closes. The day after funding closes, tickets will go on sale, um, and it's the same price. But if you kickstart, you get dice, um, you get um, a little um, a document case, like a little plastic document um, uh, case that's supposed to be for like your character sheets and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, a couple of other things, a keychain, which is kind of a standard thing, is a keychain. And so some other things that you get with it as well. But but the big thing, I think, is um, when the sign-ups, because we're doing all the, the – you sign up for games online, you're going to have – and I haven't decided the math yet on it because I still need to figure that part out. But it's going to be between seven and ten days where Kickstarters get access to sign up for games. Before, before anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's great. That's yeah, key. And, and same thing with, like, the, the panels. The panels are free, but the first row – in, in the panel room is going to be reserved for Kickstarter backers. And yeah. You guys, you guys made it all happen. This is, this is your time. Awesome. Well, that's great. I will leave a link down in the description for the Kickstarter. 
Um, do you have anything? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook Twitter? is yeah. Facebook is uh, Crit Hit AZ, and same thing for Instagram. I'm not so great at Instagram. Brendan's trying to get me on it more. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> I'm slowly going to be trying to use that more. But yeah, uh, Crit Hit AZ on Facebook, Crit Hit AZ on Instagram. Perfect. Well, Jim, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I wish you all of the luck at Crit Hit on on Kickstarter and at the con itself, if you do fund indeed. Um, yeah, and it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll have to, we'll have to do a game here soon. Oh, very, very soon. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at tabletopcast if you have any questions or comments. We also have an email address that is tabletopradiohour at yahoo.com. Our website, tabletopradiohour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening, and keep rolling 20s.